Chapter Nineteen of Curly by Roger Pocock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Nineteen: A Marriage Settlement. McCalmont was hit up at the ranchita La Soledad, with a sentry out to the southwest watching La Marita, a sentry out to the west to keep tab on the Bisley Trail, a sentry out to the north on the Grave City Road and buck hennessy his segundo riding from point to point with feed and water when anything happened the sentries flashed a signal to buck who warned the chief at sunrise mccalmont had news of our raid on la marita and that made him think for sure that the kids were rescued he'd been riding all night so he got his eye down quick for a big sleep the storm rolled up burst and trailed off to the eastward the sun shone out lifting the white steam from the desert then came the heat at two o'clock away southward through the quivering haze buck sighted the three flash signal which means help he threw back the two flash coming so he and the chief loped out taking a canteen of cold tea which is the proper medicine for thirst and a led horse each to bring the youngsters in to the little ranch by four o'clock they had curly bedded down in the shack supposing herself to be a prairie dog and wanting to know who'd come and stole her tail mccalmont nursed her buck went off to spoil the trail from the hill and jim squatted down on the doorstep for a feed of pork and beans with lashings of coffee the main outfit of the robbers was camped at las aguas some miles to the northeast and three of them came in at dusk to get their supper and relieve the sentries around la soledad they were heaps shy when they saw what looked like a greaser vaquero sitting in the doorway of the cabin one of them rode right at him hey you he shouted get out of here pronto vamos poco tiempo says jim who are you anyways quien sabe well you can't stay here so you'd best get absent he pulled his gun on jim's feet now just you prance jim laughed at him manana he said then in english you bark a lot my friend whose dog are you then he heard mccalmont's slow soft drawl i sure enjoy to see the sire's grit shows out in the young colt spoke like a man jim and as to you crazy hoss i want you to understand that if you don't learn deportment i'll politely lamb your head you you double-dealing fugitive low-flung sheep-herding son of a lop-eared thug hain't you got no more sense than a tourist you parboiled cock-eyed spavined broken-down knock-kneed wreck of bones you with such genteel introductions mccalmont sure spouted burning wrath into that robber scorching holes until he lost his bread the evil communications of this young polecat says he to jim is surely spoiling my manners and now you you turtle doves you'll just get away out of here and cook your supper thar by the barn you'll want to be mighty quiet too cause my curly is lying in here wounded get over now the robbers trailed off grinning while the chief sat down on the doorstep next to jim the children make me peevish he said and began to roll a cigarette in his fingers 
Wow, do you remember, Jim? I allowed we'd be better friends when we met again. Jim looked round sharp and sat there studying McCalmont. He didn't look bad or dangerous, but just a middle-aged cattleman of the old longhorn desert breed. Our folks are rough and homely. We've got a hard name, too, but we stay alive in a country which kills off all but the fighters. McCalmont had a cool blue eye humorous and kind, and gray hair straggling down over a face that was tanned to leather. The stiff-brimmed cowboy hat was jammed on the back of his head. The white silk handkerchief hung loose about his shoulders. He wore a gray army shirt, blue overalls, stuffed anyhow into his boots, and a loose belt of cartridges, slinging the Colt revolver on his hip. Somehow the youngster felt drawn to him, knowing he'd found a friend of the kind that lasts. And you were that sky scout, says he. A most unworthy shepherd. Just you look at my sheep, says McCalmont. Jim asked how long it was since they met that day on the range. It seems a year to you, eh, lad? That was six days ago, the way I reckon time. So much has happened, sir. Can it be less than a week? I was only a boy then. And Curly, my son, has struck you serious. She has told me everything, sir. You're going to remember to speak of Curly as a boy. He is alluded to as a boy, or I get hostile. You understand that? I understand. And now, says McCalmont, we'll have that buckboard ready in case we need to pull out. There was a buckboard standing in the yard, the same being a four-wheel dog trap with a springy floor of boards, easy for travel. Jim helped McCalmont to stow some cases and a keg of water, fill sacks with sweet-range hay for Curly's bed, and then cover the hole with canvas ground sheet. You think, says Jim, that we'll be chased tonight? I don't know, Jim, but it looks to me as that's how the herd is grazing. When supper was ready, they strayed across to the fire and joined issue with beef, hot bread, and coffee, the same being taken serious without waste of time or talk. When range folks don't interrupt our teeth with aimless discourse, by smoke time Buck loped off in the dusk to find the remuda of ponies out at grass, and the boys had a cigarette while he gathered, watered, and drove the ponies home. Then the team for the buckboard was caught, harnessed, and tied up with a feed of corn. Each man roped and saddled his night horse, and Buck, with the three relief men, rode out slow, curving away into the starlight. McCalmont roped a sorrel mare for Jim, then found him a spare saddle, a bridle, a blanket, belt, gun, and spurs. Now, says he, just bed yourself down, but don't undress. Keep your hoss to hand, sleep rapid, and in case of alarm, jump quick. An outlaw's bed, my son, ain't feathered for long sleeps. Jim lay awake and watched until the day guard came loping in with Buck. He saw them rope and saddle their remounts, catch their supper, bed down, and smoke the final cigarette. It all felt homely and good to be with cowboys again, to have his blanket on the dust, his horse and gun beside him, to know he was free and moderately safe to look up drowsy at a great white sky of stars. Jim was a plainsman in those days, 
sure enough content range fashion to have the whole earth for a bed the night for a bedroom and the starry palace of the great spirit to shelter him while he slept kings and emperors and such have to hole up at night in mean quarters compared with that somewhere out on the range mccalmont's guard camp kept a sentry alert through the night and when jim woke up he saw the day guard swarming off in the gray of dawn to relieve them he washed himself in the horse trough and helped mccalmont to cook breakfast now don't you make too much fire says the chief cause the less smoke we show the better for our health we want no strangers projecting around to pay us morning visits colonel says jim how's curly right pert and chirping for breakfast the boys came rolling in from night guard now you crazy hoss says mccalmont rope the day hosses and put the herd to grass before you feed you buck is all secure wild boss there's united states pony soldiers three hundred haid of em comes trailing down out of the mule pass heading this way no sir they're pointed for la Merida. i see it's because of the shocking outrage yesterday on them poor mexican guards at la Merida. i expect that old mexico is up on its ear for war and they'll be sending their army to eat the united states just take your glasses buck and see if that mexican army is coming along buck rode to the nearest hill and looked over the top without showing himself on skyline then he came sailing back and rolled up to the chief all snorting there's the dust of an army on the frontierist trail them rival armies mccalmont drawled will talk their sails into fits and the rival governments will talk their sails into fits and all the newspapers will talk their sails into fits then they'll agree that la Merida was raided and they'll agree that it was the acts of wicked robbers and they'll agree it was me suppose we have our coffee all through the night mccalmont had been sitting up with curly treating her wound to a course of cold wet bandages once in five minutes to reduce the swelling after breakfast he went back again to her side and his teeth were sure set hard because he had made up his mind to dig for the bullet which caused her more pain than was needful as for jim he squatted on the doorstep outside with time at last to think his affairs had been some hurried and precipitous in this one week which cost him his parents his home his business as master of a tribe of cowboys his friends his prospects his reputation as an honest man and now the whirlwind had dropped him on the doorstep of adobe shack to think the matter over quietly and have a look at himself he was an orphan now poor as a wolf hunted desperate herded with babes what was the use of trying to earn an honest living when the first respectable person he met would begin the conversation by shooting him all to pieces then he heard mccalmont calling him say can your lordship oblige me with the loan of a pen his lordship the poor chap remembered now that he was viscount balshannon baron blandon and several different sorts of baronets your lordship mccalmont he howled you brute 
then he heard curly telling her father to behave himself and his mind went off grazing again over the range of his troubles there was that curly the famous desperado the fighting frontiersman the man who had saved his life and all of a sudden he had to think of him of her as a poor girl crazy with pain jim had to face a fact which had hit his very soul turned the world upside down and left him wriggling it was no use being hostile or disappointed he couldn't make believe he was glad curly didn't feel like a chum or a partner now he couldn't imagine her as any sort of sister or friend she just filled his life until there was nothing else to care for on earth and it made his bones ache then mccalmont began to work with some sort of surgical instruments probing her wound for the bullet he heard her make little moans whimpers and stopped his ears with his fingers then she screamed jim was shaken all over but with that scream he knew what had happened to himself he had fallen head over ears in love with that same curly after a long time mccalmont came out of the shack and sat down alongside of jim the robber was white as a ghost he was trembling and gulping for breath here he cried you take this jim took the thing in his hand a flattened bullet all torn around the edges and streaked with blood for some time he just sat staring at that bullet scared by his own thoughts captain says he at last curly's not dying why not to any great extent my son mccalmont lay back on a dirt floor and yawned he's sleeping a whole lot now and if you'll stay around in case he wakes i'll take a few myself i'm kind of tired the robber dropped off to sleep and jim sat watching beside him at noon the boys off duty in the yard called him to dinner but mccalmont slept far into the afternoon then of a sudden he started broad awake his hand on his gun staring out at the blazing heat of the desert that's all right says he three hours rest is enough for hosses and robbers so i reckon i've took more'n my share curly's still sleeping says jim i'll catch some lunch then jim watched him ranging about the yard bread in one hand meat in the other eating his dinner while he hustled his men to work he kept three young robbers busy until the camp gear was stowed for travel and all the litter was hid away out of sight then he made them bury the ashes of the campfire and smooth over all the tracks until the ground looked as though there had been no visitors for a week after that he brought a pencil and notebook for jim i want you to write he said scrawl your worst and put down all the spelling ignorant write dear bell i'm gone with the buckboard for grub back this evening b brown yes that will do he took the book from jim tore out the leaf and hung it on the door conspicuous thar's times he said when sheriffs and marshals and posses of virtuous citizens gets out on the warpath in pursuit of robbers they comes pointin along mighty suspicious and raise the traps on the ground and notes the signs and sniffs the little smells and in their ignorant way draws false conclusions meanwhile the robbers has adjourned jim's face was as long as a coffin captain says he 
i've been thinking i'm sorry you're took bad my son the robber sat down beside him let me see your tongue don't laugh at me will you mind captain mccormick if if i speak of curly just this once as as a woman turn your wolf loose my son i'm hearing i love her sir same here jim do you mind though my boy when i wanted to marry her mother i just up and asked her i'm not good enough for her that's so and yet i reckon curly's been dead gentle with y'all why she sure sits on all our heads i'm afraid she doesn't care for me yet i expect jim that an eye doctor is what you need and you'll consent if curly consents on one condition you get her safely out of this country you take her to civilized life where she can stay good away from us thieves take her to the old country to starve i'll see to that i've left enough wealth with chalkite to give you a start in life he came down yesterday morning to see you all at la marita you were out do you suppose says jim getting hot that i'd take your money if you take my child you're not above taking my money lord balshannon jim pawed his gun i take no stolen money you're speaking too loud says mccalmont come over by the corral he walked over to the bars of the corral jim following and now mccalmont's voice went softer than ever i may allude to the fact that if any cur insults my daughter or me there is apt to be some unpleasantness don't you think says jim his hand on his gun that we had better go a little further off so that curly won't be disturbed when we fire why boy are are you proposing to dispense your gun at me as you please you called me a cur and you'll eat your words or fight and you only called me a thief well i surely am for a fact and you're not a cur no i reckon i was some impulsive in saying that come we won't quarrel for i like you a whole lot for your playing up against me that way what are your plans jim was breathing hard and acting defiant still i want to join your gang which i accept you glad for i ain't refusing shelter to any hunted man and i may marry curly not if you join my outfit none of my wolves are invited to offer their paws in marriage with my curly two or three of them young persons proposed their sales and found my gun a whole lot too contagious for comfort jim unbuckled his belt and let it fall with holster and gun to the ground i cannot accept the loan of that gun he said or any favor from you i've been hunted i'm afoot i'm unarmed but now by thunder look out for yourself because i'm going to hunt i shall rob you if i can i'm at war with you and every man on the stock range until i've won back my house my lands my cattle then i'll come for your daughter but i won't ask for her McCount leaned his shoulder against the corral and laughed at him wait in says he good luck my boy i mustn't ask you to divulge your plans 
but i'm heaps interested my father told me captain mccalmont that all the first ball shining one he got with the sword well times are changed we use revolvers now only for robbery my lad and for murder i thought as you do once and reckoned i'd get even with the world i started with a lone gun i sure got even but see the price i paid my wife was i can't talk of that my little son was shot my daughter is herding with thieves and she's the only thing i've got left on earth come lad if i can bear to part with her and give her up to you can't you give up a little of your fool pride and accept her dowry just to save the child take her away to where she can stay good i ask no more of you you want me to run away from ryan and let him keep holy cross you want me to live in ireland on a woman's money you want to hire lord balshannon with stolen money keep to keep your daughter jim spat on the ground if you want to give curly to a filthy blackguard why don't you marry her to ryan you use strong words sir and mean them mccalmont lowered his eyes and pawed in the dust with his foot just for a moment he stood scratching the dust then he looked up once he said very quiet i aimed at being a gentleman i beg your pardon sir you are a gentleman says jim that's just the worst of it you understand things what on earth makes you want to insult me it seems to me jim that you might understand more than you do that i'm aiming to be your friend you're more with this year ryan to get back holy cross or fair equivalent eh for what you've lost go on sir i'm at war too with the breed of swine he belongs to would you be satisfied if ryan paid in cash for your home your land and your cattle you being an outlaw now it wouldn't be helping to live there to any great extent will you take cash or blood i have no special use for blood i reckon i'd as soon bleed a polecat as a ryan if i yearn for blood what do you reckon you could buy with blood sections of peace chunks of joy i'd take mine in cash will you help sir for all young ryan's worth and then mccalmont laid his hands on jim's shoulders you'll take curly home as your wife eh partner if she is willing sir mccalmont's ears went back against his head he lifted his nose to the west pointing up wind there was a sound like the thud of raindrops on dust a soft pattering which came nearer and stronger he loosed off the long yell to rouse the three men who were resting by the barn he told jim to pick up his gun and help he jumped for the team horses and led them to the buckboard the pattering had grown up out of the distance to a steady rush of sound the ground had begun to quiver then to shake then with a yell of warning buck and his sentries came thundering in from the desert End of chapter nineteen